Dear young married couple, have you ever been insecure? It seems like all of us have at one point or another experienced insecurity, that feeling of I'm just not enough, or I'm not smart enough. And generally insecurity does really stop us from living a well-lived life when it comes to marriages, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to leadership. It really does stop us from performing at our best. So today we're talking to Pastor Ryan Franklin on the four steps to help you overcome your insecurity. This is an incredible conversation. Um, He is the pastor or assistant pastor at the Pentecostals of Alexandria, POA. And he has some insights that I know are really gonna help you overcome insecurity or even give you the steps to help someone else with their insecurity so that you could have wonderful relationships. Listen up. This is a great interview. Welcome Pastor Ryan Franklin to the podcast. So happy that you're with us today. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you having me on today. It's exciting to to be here with you. Man, I'm excited. Um, I was actually, we were talking right before this podcast and I told you kind of the backstory that um, I think this podcast is ordered of the Lord because someone recently said something about insecurity and how it is deeply affecting individuals and marriages and churches. And I said, babe, we need to do a podcast on that. And then just so happens, God brought our paths together. And uh, we're going to talk today about insecurity. And you have four steps that um, help people uh, overcome them. So let's just first, before we get into those steps, cause I'm sure everybody wants to hear that. Uh, I want to hear like, how did you come to start writing and thinking about insecurity? Well, I just want to preface everything by saying that I have, I have never been insecure even one day in my life. <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Actually, <laughs> Actually, there's probably never been a day in my life that I have not felt the impact Mm -hmm. of insecurity to some degree. Thankfully, today, it's a little better than it was a a few years ago, a number of years ago. Um, And, you know, I I started out in 2007 with a counselor. I thought I was going to go in and um, she was going to tell me everything was fine in my life and Ryan, you don't need to meet with me. And that was uh, an amazing day, amazingly hard day. Mm. As I walked out of that office with just uh, my face just swollen and Mm. tears flowing and realizing that my life was a mess. And at that point, I was in full-time ministry. I was a a minister. Um, It was at at POA. Mm. And uh, I had... Uh, that started a journey, a three-year journey of really diving into some great insecurities and approval addiction and, um, Mm. and even a self-reliance that was, um, that was there that I, that I didn't recognize previously. And so that three-year period of time changed my life to the point where I, I went and got a master's degree in, in ministry with a focus in pastoral counseling. I wanted to be able to help uh, awesome. the parishioners that I, that I worked with to, 
to uh, be able to help the same way that I was helped to some yeah. degree. And, uh, and that was a, that was a huge thing for me. And so quick and, question, because yeah. this is, this is, this is, I think key. How do you come to realize that you actually needed to go to a counselor? Because that's a big step, especially for a man. Okay. I didn't. I, uh, actually pastor Anthony Mangan pastor at the time. Now he's Bishop. Uh, he, he gave us the option. He said, if there's anybody on our staff that would like to go see our counselor, uh, we will gladly pay for a few sessions. And, uh, and so I said, well, I'll give it a shot. And so I went and I thought it was going to be a confirmation of how good I am. (laughs) And yet, uh, and yet it, it really, even in the first session just tore me up and I realized just, just how messed up I really was. So interesting. And counseling has a way of, of helping you see yourself a little bit better. Yeah. It sticks a mirror in your face and sometimes that's a great thing. Um, Mm. you know, I, I would wake up every day and put on a mask hmm. and I wouldn't let others see the, the true face that, uh, was really underneath that mask. And that was very, hmm. uh, you know, it was very challenging for me at the time. Um, it was, it was basically me taking that, those things in my own hands, being self-reliant hmm. and, uh, and seeking others' approvals, particularly certain men in my life, my dad, and um, and then other leaders in my life, my pastor, mm-hmm. you know, in an unhealthy way, seeking their their approval, and I would and I would work so hard to get that, and then feel empty at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and um, so that process, that three year process, really helped me significantly work through a lot of that. It did not, uh, it, you know counseling is much like an onion. And so, uh, more things were revealed later on. Yeah. Um, uh, and throughout the years, but, but especially in 2017, again, um, we, uh, made a transition at POA and I became an assistant pastor at the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And, um, with that, I was handed over 60 different ministries, which I had assisted with. I had assisted the previous assistant pastor for many years with those ministries. Uh, So it felt like a natural fit, yet I felt the weight and the responsibility on my shoulders. Mm. And Adam, I'm sure that you, uh, you very well know that when stress and pressures of life come, sort of the the worst of us can at times ooze out if we're not careful. Yes. And that's what I was feeling. I was feeling burnout to a heavy degree. Mm. Um, I remember at one point on a Tuesday, I can remember it as clear as day, I, I just felt like I could not go any any longer. Um, and And I reached out to a friend. A friend helped me in particular ways, and that was a turning point for my ministry that, uh, that helped me sort of get my head around what, what I needed to do from there. Mm -hmm. And I I knew one of the, one of the major things I needed to do was find help. And someone had, uh, had told me about a, uh, a 
executive coach that was changing his world. And uh, I didn't even know what an executive coach was. You know, I had experienced a counselor, but but that was the only helping profession that I had that I had experienced. Uh, it was crazy expensive. Um, this was a guy that normally does all executives and and uh, tech executives and gets paid big bucks. And so I was I was like, ah, I don't know if I could. So I, I, I waited three or four months and I ended up biting the bullet and I invested this large chunk of money in executive coaching for a year. And Adam, it completely changed my life. Hmm. He dug into areas that, uh, again, that, uh, you know, that the counselor previously had not dug into. It was sort of a more forward focused counseling, Mm -hmm. uh, was more backward focused with a little bit of forward focused Mm -hmm. and executive coaching was mostly forward focused. And so it was, it was a different, different view, different way of, of, of digging into things. And it, uh, and it drastically impacted my life to a point where I knew, and to answer your question, how did I get, uh, how did I get into to these things? Actually, that was a question prior to us starting, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did I get into executive coaching? At the end of that, I knew that I had to help other people mm-hmm. with in the same way that this man had helped me, Dr. Brian Everson. And so a journey a journey went, uh, a journey through the process of, he, he agreed to mentor me. Um, I went to Townsend Institute, got a, got a certification executive coaching and started, started coaching those poor souls that were my first clients. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but today, uh, I am still doing it and, uh, and enjoying it and, and the process of it and, and watching lives being changed. Ha. I love that. I love that story. When, as you're working with these individuals, um, are you, did this book, this idea to write about insecurities, is that where you got that inspiration or is this mostly from your own? Um, this is what I worked on and now you tend to see it in your clients right now. Um, definitely things that I, that I worked on and the insecurity part is just one piece of, of, of the book. Uh, the book that you're referencing is a book that's coming out on August the 3rd, the Christian leader blueprint. Um, it's one chapter. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a couple of years of work in the progress in progress. Uh, but it, the Christian leader blueprint, um, was definitely a result of what I had experienced, what I had gone through. Uh, and then I started helping others with the same things that I had gone through. Mm-hmm. And, and I kept seeing a pattern. And the pattern is the Christian Leader Blueprint model um, that, is, that, is, that is in that book. Wow. So cool. So how did you begin working on what you noticed were insecurities? And how are, how are those insecurities holding you back from the ministry that God wanted you to step into. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot that we could go into there. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, you know, 
I preached a message at, at POA a few years ago, um, a number of years ago now, actually, called He Makes Beautiful Things. Mm. And Genesis one thirty one says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Mm. And then Ecclesiastes 11 says, he, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. And I was having a hard time believing that at one point in my life. And, um, and so it, no, no matter how old, no matter how broken, no matter how tired or how frightened that, uh, you may be, or, or I may be, I have to believe that God still has a ticket of destiny mm. with, with my name written on it, with your name written on it. Mm. And, uh, I believe that God, deep in my heart, makes beautiful things. And what's what's hard to to the reason it's so hard to grasp that is because many times in our lives, Adam, a, as you know, we we repeat these scenes of failure in our life. And as we repeat those scenes, it, with each failure. You know, we, we a lot of times we have less and less confidence that things are going to ever change. Mm. And the reality of it is, is that there is a solution to those problems. And the reason that I know that is because I know that God makes beautiful things. Mm. And, and he provided the answers for me at a time where I desperately needed him, when I was seeking him with all of my heart because I was just in that place of burnout and stress and so many things going on. And he provided the answers and he continues as I, as I journey through life, he continues to provide those answers. Hmm. But here's, here's what we have to realize. And here's what I had to realize that when I started tapping into those insecurities and, and dealing with those insecurities is that God's dreams weren't really, about me. And these, this life isn't really uh, about me. God's dreams, they will absolutely bring fulfillment to me, and they have, but they're really not about me. Mm. It's really about others. It's for the benefit of others, loving others, uh, mm. bringing the gospel to others, guiding others, serving others, you know, influencing others with leadership. Mm. Um, but but here's the problem, and here's this was my problem, this little this little thing called pride, that would slip in, and uh, and from from a biblical standpoint, pride is is an unholy preoccupation with yourself. Hmm. There's and there's nothing wrong with being occupied with 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 ourselves to a certain degree. That's 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 normal. There's nothing wrong with taking care of our needs and our interests. That's that's really important, actually. Uh, even our ambition. I think God places a lot of that in us. That's certainly normal. The problem with pride is that we become occupied with ourselves first, preoccupied, putting our needs, our interests, our our insecurities ahead of ahead of others, and even a lot of times ahead of God, mm. and. And sometimes we even forget that God is is the source of everything that we have and and everything that we enjoy. 
and we forget that He is the only one that is that is worthy of worship. I'm not worthy of worship. He's the only one. Um, there's a scripture in James chapter four verse six that says, uh, "Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble." And really, at, at, at its core, Adam, that was my problem. No matter how hard I, no matter how hard I tried, and and I and I said this in that sermon that no matter how hard I tried, Ryan plus pride would never equal abundant life. Mm. And that's a, that's a tactic of the enemy. Mm. Because John 10.10 10 promises that the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life that they might have it more abundantly. Mm. And Satan tries to slip that, that pride in there, and we become preoccupied with that pride. Mm. And I want to read, Adam, if you don't mind, can I read a, a, an excerpt from a, from a book that, that uh, I read many years ago? I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's those deep chords in us you know, in story that this is your life. And also I think it connects with what you see in others and how badly you you see that this is a key that can be a, like used to unlock servanthood because that really does. Pride, I think, blocks good marriages. Pride yeah. blocks true service. Yes. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, not very prideful. It's good. I yes. love it. Yeah, please read. I'd I'll, I'll love to hear what let you me, have to say. Let me uh, pull this up. It's, this is uh, an excerpt from a book called True Faced. It's actually renamed, and I do, uh, pardon me, I don't have the name of the book now, but uh, I read it many years ago, and, uh, and, and when I read this, tears just started streaming down my face. And uh, here's what it said. God couldn't help us until we trusted him with who we really were. That was perhaps our first taste of a true face life. It was stunning, incredible. It painted our world in colors we hardly knew existed. But something happened to many of us in the intervening years. We lost confidence that his delight of us and new life in us would be, would be a strong enough force for a growth that would glorify God and fix our junk. So we gradually bought the, the slick sales pitch that told us that we would need to find something more, something others seemed to have that we could never quite get our hands around, something magical and mystical that we would receive if we tried hard enough and proved good enough often enough. Hmm. And so we began learning to prop things up. We went back to trying to impress God and others back to posturing, positioning, manipulating, trying to appear better than who we were. Our two-faced life has severely stunted our growth and broken our hearts and left us gasping. Although we may have accumulated titles, status, and accomplishments, we personally remain wounded and immature, long on success but short on dreams. We admire people who live the true-faced life, but our loss of hope has forced us 
into desperately trying to discover safety from behind our mask. In a very real sense, we're all performers. Because of sin, we've lost confidence that we will all always please our audience, and so we put on a mask. And as, as, an, un, as, an, un, as an unintended result, no one, not even the people we love, ever get to see our true face. Such a powerful, mm. such a powerful excerpt, and I would encourage your listeners to to just maybe even back that up and listen to it again, because you see, because of my deep rooted insecurities and pride, I wore a mask for most of my life. And, uh, and, and the problem with pride from a, from a biblical perspective is that it, it just leaves God out of the picture. And pride can quickly have us believing that whatever good things we've obtained or, or received in life, they're, they're just, they're purely the result of our own achievements. You know, my, my hard work, my, my good looks, my smarts, my talent, my persistence. That was a lot of my problem, persistence. We make ourselves the source of all good things mm. instead of God. And in a way, Adam, we, we end up exalting ourselves and serving ourselves, cont- contemplating ourselves, trusting, you know, trusting ourselves mm. instead of exalting, serving, and trusting God. And there's a scripture, uh, another scripture, if you don't mind me Please do. referring to scripture quite a bit, but uh, 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man that met the measure of faith. Mm. And I, I love that scripture. It's a very powerful scripture because we're not supposed to think of ourselves too highly because mm. that's pride. But there's another piece of that. We're not supposed to think of ourselves too lowly either. Mm. And here's the key is we have to think of ourselves with sober or sound judgment. Mm. Yes. In other words, we have to be honest of our evaluation of ourselves. And that's why sometimes it takes a, a counselor or an executive coach to put a mirror in our face and, and reveal things to us that, that, because a lot of times we don't have it within us to even have an honest evaluation of ourselves. Hmm. Which is really sad because then we live with that mask that you're talking about and no one gets to know us truly. Exactly. I didn't even know I was wearing a mask, Adam. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't know I was wearing a mask. Hmm. I thought I was going to go into that counselor and she was going to tell me everything's good. Yeah. She would like the Honestly. mask. Exactly. Or the, the face that I was showing. Did you and know she deep re- down? She read through that quickly. Did you know deep down that you were wearing that? Or how did you come to see like, 
I'm wearing this mask that's blocking me from like genuinely serving and feeling God's pleasure. I really think I was oblivious to the mask. I knew something was wrong. Mm. And I think that's what made me venture into her office. But I was so, I, I had worn the mask since I was a child. Mm. I had deep insecurities as, as a kid growing up in, in high school. I can remember uh, the deep insecurities, uh, even at one point, even n- never never coming to a place of, of a plan or anything, but just contemplating suicide even because mm. I was so uh, desperate for, I felt so broken inside. Wow. What did those insecurities sound like to you? You're not good enough. If people really see what's on the inside of you, they're not going to love you. Mm. And therefore you tried to project a different image that you thought other people would like? Absolutely. If I work hard enough, if I burn the candle at both ends and, and impress the certain people in my life, they'll, mm. they'll love me. Mm. They'll, they'll support me. They'll give me words of affirmation. Mm. And did you do a good job at it? Oh, I did a wonderful job at it to the point of, of burnout. And, and to the point of, of really impacting my marriage, didn't have kids at that time. Uh, my first child was born in 2007. So prior to that, uh, it was just me and Angie, my wife. And, um, you know, she, she got the brunt end of a lot of my over, overwork, my perfectionism, um, my lack of self-regulation, hmm. the, uh, I, I would come to work, I would come to church even with my mask, but I would come home and take my mask off. It wasn't very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And then when your wife dares to point out the ugliness of no mask, how did that set with you? An explosion, a lack of communication, um, which would, which would, uh, bottle, I would bottle it up until it would be an explosion. Um, we, we didn't communicate very well. Mm. It was, it was, uh, reactive instead of proactive. Mm. Definitely not active listening. (laughs) Yeah, man, Ryan, you're the only person I've ever talked to that had these things and issues. (laughs) (laughs) honestly i mean i've seen this in myself i've seen this in countless individuals so how would you go about take me as a client maybe not me but take the listeners on on this journey of okay i see this in me i know i have insecurity i know i'm trying to do all these things to measure up and if I wear the nice clothes or I drive the car or I achieve this or I get this position, then I could tell myself I'm happy or successful or I've made it or I'm good enough. It's the lie that we buy into. How do we start 
that process of uh, getting this out of us, to taking the mask off. Mm. It's not an easy process, Adam. But I can tell you that the end result is that is that abundant life hmm. that that scripture speaks of. Um, for me, it started with really diving into scripture and understanding what the Bible says about us as humans and understanding the value that he places in us, um, understanding the fact that, that he cares for us, hmm. understanding the fact that, that no matter how we present ourselves, he's still going to love us. And he cares for us. He, he, he wants us there. He, understanding that his desire for us is peace, understanding that, that he created us in a beautiful way, in a unique way mm. that is worthy of presenting to others around us. Mm. It's, it's really step one, I would say, is, is embracing all that Scripture says about you through the lens of prayer. And that's the first and foremost, that's, that's the most important step. Mm. Um, a lot of times, you know, for me, for instance, I read the Bible many, many times, and I never really grab, grabbed hold of those scriptures in the way that, that, that I did at that time. And really that started with, with the counselor um, saying, hey, Ryan, th think about some of these things in your past your history. What is your history telling you? Telling you? How, how does this line up with this scripture? Hmm. And she would put the scripture beside my life. And I would realize that, wow, he really does care about me. Hmm. Or wow, he really did make a beautiful thing. Hmm. So I would say that that's, that's first and foremost is is embracing what God has to say about us is in Scripture and, and through a lens of prayer mm. as well. So good. So good. And practically, just writing it down. <clears throat> I've, had, mm. I've, had, I've had clients Great put point. sticky notes all over their house to remind them of what Jesus says because sometimes this stuff is out of sight, out of mind. Like, okay, yeah. Right. Good. Jesus says some cool stuff about me. And then yeah. we go back on and slap those labels back on us. Yeah. I've got I've got one right here. <laughs> there you I've go. Some one. homework. <laughs> I've had this one sitting here for years. I'm I love sticky notes. Journaling as well. Um a practice of journaling. Um at, since you mentioned writing things down, mm. you know journaling what God is speaking to you in prayer, because it's amazing how much God can speak to us in prayer, and we don't even realize it. We, mm. we, we pass it by so quickly. But oftentimes when I've journaled in the past, I'll look back and, and realize that he's been speaking to me about one, one particular thing for weeks now, mm. and I just didn't pick up on it. Wow. 
you know, we, we serve a, a, a tremendous God, and He's a living God. He cares about us and the details of our life today, hmm. and we have to embrace that. So good. I think it's David who said, I will meditate on thy precepts. I will not forget thy word. Sometimes we have to slow down yeah. in life enough just to like meditate on those things so that we can remember what God's actually saying. Yeah. Or saying in the moment, not just remembering. Yeah. So good. Beautiful. What's what's the second step? Okay, so I'm I'm trying to apply these things to me. How do I take that next step with this like with, with this realization that God's saying something different than what I'm saying? Step two uh, would be really diving into admitting that you have insecurities, uh, getting clarity on what they may be, what they look like, why they're there, how they've impacted your life, um, really coming to grips and, and wrapping your head around what those insecurities are. Now, I will say this. Um, we can do some of this on our own through prayer and uh, in self-reflection, through journaling, through God's voice in our life. But I will have to say that, th that this step is likely going to require some help from an outside source. And uh, the counsel of a friend is, is your, probably your next best option. Uh, but even better than that, um, in my opinion, would be a counselor. Um, an executive coach as well, um, a life coach, different, different, uh, versions of, uh, of coaches can dive into these sorts of things for you, mm -hmm. uh, or help you dive into them, not for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if the, if the, if the insecurity is complex enough and mine, mine was a licensed counselor is your, is your best place to start. Uh, and I love, there's a lot of pastoral counselors. I'm a pastoral counselor out there and we do a great job of helping people with surface level things. And, mm -hmm. but I encourage you find somebody that's really trained, uh, in licensed and with, with that can dive into the deep roots of these, these types of insecurities and, uh, you know, figure out how we can begin to start walking towards minimizing mm. the effects of that. I did a podcast recently on my podcast um, with Dr. Brian Epperson, who, it's, who is who was my executive coach, who was my executive coaching mentor. Uh, and he said three words that were so powerful. Clarity brings confidence. Hmm. And so what you're doing in step one with the Bible and prayer Step two, with with getting some outside help and 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 bringing some clarity around what that insecurity is and what it means and why and what it does to you, mm -hmm. that's bringing clarity to you. It's beginning to bring clarity to your mind, and clarity begins to bring confidence and begins to kind of erode and eat away those insecurities in in a significant way. Uh, it does take time. It does take a, it's not a, an overnight process yet. A lot of times you, 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 you feel the effects of it overnight. Mm. So good. I love that step that 
it's necessary to really do get, have the language for it, know what it exactly is. Yeah. You have to name it to tame it. What's yeah. the, what's the third? What's the third step? Third step is, um, and I would say th- step three and four would need to be uh, in conjunction with your outside help, professional help, if if uh, if the if the insecurities are deep enough. Um, but step three and four are really what the Christian Leader Blueprint model is all about. And step three is to develop reasonable expectations of yourself. Mm. Um, this is working with establishing a better rhythm of life for yourself. It's, uh, it's understanding yourself, seeing yourself more clearly. Um, it's leveraging your strengths and not your weaknesses. Mm. Um, it's understanding those things about yourself. Uh, it's, it's, it's really at its core, it's an emotional intelligence. Um, knowing why you think the way you think, uh, mm. you know, understanding again, your strengths and your weaknesses, those, those drastically help even our emotions, but, but it's, uh, it's a, a better rhythm of life is going to allow you to sort of manage the, the stress and anxiety of life better. And you're going to recognize your limits and mm. you're going to better manage those energy levels within you. That's good. And it's going to bring clarity to you because you're, 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 you're not as stressed. As I mentioned earlier, that stress and anxiety will ooze some of the worst parts of us. Yeah. Well, part part of negotiating through that is just getting a better rhythm of life. Mm. Part of having the energy to work through those things is just a better rhythm of life. And then seeing yourself more clearly, that that allows you to manage your your mental and your emotional factors that, that play such a vital role in in your insecurities, your emotional energy to work on things. Um, and then and then when we're more self-aware of ourselves, it's much easier to to stop that downward spiral um, by recognizing the circumstances that that trigger those those insecurities. So, so good. that's in a, in a nutshell, that's step three. So good. So what's now the, what's the fourth step for helping us get over our insecurities or work so on this? This fourth step is, is a little bit tricky because most people think they have this already, but I'm not sure that they, that, that most people do. Some people do, but fourth step is to build a personal support team. Hmm. And now all four of these steps are, are really important, but this four, this fourth one is most frequently left out by ministers. Yeah. We're, we're surrounded by people. We're surrounded by loving people yet lonely. I can't tell you how many executive coaching clients I, I work with that when it when it really gets down to it they won't they won't admit it a lot of times at first but when it really gets down to it they're lonely yeah. they're surrounded by people they even have minister friends and they're lonely i i and, agree so so deeply with this why so these people you're talking about i've talked to them too 
Yeah. And they're busy. They're well-known. Uh, they're in, insanely talented, yes. anointed, and yet they're lonely. Why is this? They're surrounded by people that they love, and yet they're lonely. Because many times the, the relationships are superficial. And when I say that, they are not intentional with one asking for what they need, because that would take a lack, that would take humility, that would take removing that pride. Uh, and, and then two, um, they don't know how to give the most basic relational nutrients, relational needs that we all must have. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, Adam, at its core, with our insecurities, that's what we're seeking is those most basic relational needs, nutrients from individuals in our life. And a lot of times it's it's for me it was it was father issues and and so yeah. uh, leaders in my life, I, I craved certain things for them. I craved affirmation, I craved validation. I, I craved uh, encouragement, acceptance, and I would seek those things in an unhealthy way. But because I have, in the last number of years, four or five years, I've I've built a very intentional support team around me where I can go to them and I can tell them my deepest, darkest secrets, and I know they're not going to judge me. They're still going to love me. They're going to accept me. They're going to listen to me. They're going to attune to me. They'll empathize with me. Mm. And they'll provide the relational nutrient that I need. And, and the second part of that is, is I know how to ask for it. I recognize the fact that uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm seeing this behavior with myself because I, I think I'm needing to be affirmed. Mm. Or, man, I, I got I got that rejection a few hours ago, and I'm feeling the effects of it, and I just need acceptance right now. So it's it's deep emotional awareness. It's emotional intelligence at its best. Yes. Why did insecure Ryan? You know, he was surrounded by people. He was doing things and probably getting affirmation from all the things he was doing because he was doing good at it. Yeah. So why why was that Ryan? Uh, not getting those nutrients. I would get them. And, and we accidentally get them throughout life, but I would get them in an unhealthy way. I would, it would be at the expense of my own health, um, at my own emotional health, my, my own, my, it would be at the expense of my wife. Mm -hmm. She would feel the effects of it. I would take it home and, you know, I, I was burnt out physically a lot of times, but even, uh, but, but particularly emotionally. And you, then I would, you know, regurgitate that when I would get home mm. and it wasn't very pretty. And, and so, um, I would accidentally get those things at various points, but I would seek them in unhealthy ways where it would disrupt my rhythm of life and, and, uh, my, my ability to, to function well when I would get home, especially. Hmm. How vulnerable was, was Ryan? Oh, not very at all. 
<laughs> not very at all. I I would uh, I would put that mask on. Yeah. And and I would show my my happy face or my work horse face or or my prudent face or my leadership face. Yeah. And 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 I would not show the fact that at its core, I, I just need to feel accepted right now. Hmm. And, and being able to ask for that, do you, do you literally tell your, your support team when you realize that you're maybe in the trenches and you're feeling lonely or you're feeling just not very accepted, would you say something like that? Man, I'm feeling this. I know it sounds odd, but absolutely, hundred <gasps> percent. You would do uh, that because <laughs> that's I, so I, foreign. I would tell. Uh, in fact, I have a I have a meeting this afternoon with a life team member. I've got some I've got some things I need to unpack with him. Good. And um, and so I would absolutely say, if I felt like I needed acceptance, will will you? accept me in this moment. And because I trust them, because I know that they're not blowing smoke, mm. I know that what they say is true because I have such a close relationship with them. It works. Mm. They don't know that I need acceptance. How do they know unless I tell them? How do they know that I need validation unless I tell them? You know, we're quick to jump to provide reality for people uh, or or to even seek reality. We're, we're quick to seek reality. I, I just want your perspective, Adam, on this, or mm. or I want uh, I want your insight or your feedback on this. And, and, and really what it is at its core is, Adam, I, I just need to feel accepted by you. Mm. I already know what to do. Now, if you have a if you have another alternative, I'm a, I'm open to hear that. But at its core, really, what I need is I just I just need somebody. And here's another one: I, I just need somebody to contain something for me. Mm. Just need to vent. Or Adam, I I need some identification. Can you relate to what I'm telling you? And I tell you something, and and you give me a story of of relating relating back to that. Sure, I can I can identify with you you know, or, or celebration, hmm. you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a book coming out August the 3rd. Can you celebrate with me? Absolutely. I'm going to bring the party poppers out, <laughs> but I trust these people. It's good. I trust these people to a place that is, is, that when they tell me these things, when I ask for them and they tell me these things, I know it comes from a place of authenticity because I have that type of relationship. And let me just point out that you don't get that by seeing someone at a conference twice a year. It takes intentionality and it takes work to build that sort of team. And right now I have, uh, I have six life team members and I don't recommend that for everyone. That's a, that's a lot, a lot of close relationships to maintain. Even Jesus only had three uh, but 
Um, right now I have six. That includes one executive coach and and one counselor as well. So I've got four peers, but I I meet with them uh, at least once a month. I've got one that I meet with every week on a Monday morning. We we uh, we meet every week, but the other three I meet with at least once a month, and we schedule it. We when we're in a meeting, we schedule our next meeting, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, the intentionality of that puts us in front of each other. We do it by Zoom because they're all over the place. And so, but the intentionality of that puts us in front of each other. And sometimes we get on a Zoom call and we don't have anything to unpack. So we just catch up and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun and, and we enjoy each other's company. Uh, but there's sometimes where I may have something to unpack or, or, the, or he may have something to unpack. And, and so we, we do that together in that moment and, and sort of work through those things. I will say this as well, uh, since this is a marriage podcast, it's not fair to your spouse to put all of your emotional junk on your spouse. Now, she needs to be your number one and most important life team member. Absolutely. She's going to hear about just about 99% of everything that I go through. But sometimes it's after the fact. Sometimes it's, I just need you to know I went through this and and I called one of my life team members. She knows all of my life team members. And and we unpack this and I feel good now, uh, but I just want you to be aware of it. And but when we put all of our stuff on our spouse, it's unfair to our spouse. Likely she's going through the same, the very same things I'm going through because yeah. we live in the same home. We interact in the same environments. And so it's, it's, it's challenging when you put it all on her. Now, the other side of that is, is I think you need more than one because, you know, let's say Adam, you're one of my life team members. Um, you may be tied up doing a podcast and can't, can't answer my call if I'm, you know, or you've got, you're at a conference and you can't Mm -hmm. talk to me for three days. So I've got another one that I can call and and say, Hey, you got a few minutes or, you know, in a couple of hours, can, can we jump on a zoom call and, and unpack something? And I'm telling you things that would make me spiral for days, these insecurities, these deep um, uh, defenses that I would, that I would, that I developed, uh, and insecurities would cause me sometimes to spiral for days prior to establishing a life team. And now it's more like maybe an hour or maybe a couple of hours at most. Yeah. And I'm on, I, I get what I need. I get, I get the thing that I'm lacking and I'm on with life and, and ministry and, and it's, it's significant. So good. I love the fact too, that that you're giving this, this is really a challenge to people to open up and to be real. And it doesn't start, you can't, and you can't, you can't talk about the insecurities that you don't know is there. So you have to, you have to learn those, be a, I guess, a student of yourself and actually be mindful of what's happening. But what amazing advice. I'm, I'm really thankful and excited about um, this getting into people's hands. So tell us about your book, 
this is a chapter in your book or a part of your book. Tell us a little bit about your book because I want people here uh, to go and, and buy it and support you and, and uh, tell us when it's being released. Yeah. Thank you for, for asking that. You know, um, I think it is possible that we can be involved in ministry and in leadership and enjoy it and have, and not only enjoy it, but also be effective Mm -hmm. and not be derailed by stress and anxiety and the pressures of life all the time. Now there is going to be seasons of that. Um, and I recognize that, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time. And that's the way, uh, that's the way I was years ago. Um, and, and even my growth plan, uh, I've always been very intentional with growth, but my growth was, was, uh, many times accidental, whatever would land in my inbox or, or whatever was top of the business development list at the time in the books, book section of Amazon. Uh, (laughs) and, and so, but it left me floundering. It left me wasting time and energy that, that I didn't have to give. And, uh, and I would say, in addition to enjoying leadership, your leadership growth doesn't have to be that way where it's just floundering and haphazard and the Christian leader blueprint, which is what, uh, my book is on the title of my book. It's a step-by-step, uh, guide to leadership transformation. It's, uh, it's a framework with four pillars, establish a better rhythm of life, see yourself more clearly, leverage your strengths and build more productive relationships. And it, and each chapter walks you through, um, four, four, it's actually a total of 16, four for each one of those four pillars, uh, topics that are vital to, to growth. And it actually gives you a plan for you to begin working on, on these areas of of your life. And so, um, I would encourage the listeners, Adam, if they're interested in that book to go to my website, there's a, you can actually get a short guide for the Christian leader blueprint model on my website at ryanfranklin.org. And that will put you on my email list and you'll be notified as soon as that book is available for purchase. Thank you. That's, that's wonderful. So, uh, we'll get that link and we will, um, actually we'll put that link in the show notes so you guys can go and yeah, get this stuff in your inbox. This is something that you have to face every single day. Um, so when you have some reminder in your email to, to really begin working on these things and to focus on these things, they're in your purview. You can actually take action and change your life dramatically. So this is so, so good. So we end every podcast by asking, um, asking our, our, uh, our interviewer or interviewee, uh, one question, um, what do you wish was different or what advice that you, you wish you would have received at the beginning of your marriage and then may fill in the blank, dear young married couple. I was prepared for this, Adam, after listening to many of your podcasts, I would say, Dear young married couple, please take the time to learn the simple but profound technique of active listening. It changed my marriage. We we hit a rocky spell of our marriage because of a lot of what we just talked about. 
but we really hit a rocky spell in, in year five, mm. um, actually after struggling for five years. And I'm in year 21 now, and I'm telling you, the the hours that we spent learning active listening in year five has revolutionized the next 16 years of our marriage at, at 21 years now. And uh, my, my kids benefit from it. My marriage benefits from it. The people that I lead benefit from it. Learn active listening. That's beautiful. I love that. Let me underline and highlight that because that's such a powerful skill for, for communication. Thank you, um, Brother Ryan, for, for pouring into the audience here. And, and thank you for really your, your own work because your work benefits everyone listening. So thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for having me, Adam. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.